0: If you want to spend less time going to the grocery store, then you need to check out ButcherBox. It's a super convenient way to find high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust. ButcherBox only sells 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. And you know what all that means. No antibiotics or added hormones, so you get peace of mind that you're eating healthy food. On top of all that, ButcherBox makes shopping simpler because it gets delivered right to your doorstep. Shipping is always free and you can customize your meal plan so you're only getting exactly what you want. We've tried everything from pork chops to tenderloins at our house and they're always a huge hit. ButcherBox prices are as good or better than what you can find at the store. Plus, they have exclusive member deals as well as a ton of recipes, cooking tips, and other kitchen hacks to choose from. So sign up at ButcherBox.com slash and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer, plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. So sign up today at ButcherBox.com LISK, L-I-S-K, and use code LISK to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus
1: $20 off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching.
0: Welcome to a new episode of Lisk, Long Island Serial Killer, where we are grateful for the chance to spend some time with Joshua Zeman and Rachel Mills, two filmmakers slash investigators who are part of the team behind A&E's series, The Killing Season. They dug into the case of the Gilgo Four and the other victims' bodies that were found on Long Island. They've been strong advocates for the victims and for the hunt to track down the killer. They've been friends of the podcast for some time and we're happy to share part of our conversation with you today. Well, thank you for joining us. And if you would, just give us a little, you know, the the elevator pitch on, on what Killing Season's about, just in case someone hasn't seen it, and that way we can suggest it and send people that way.
2: Uh, yeah, so The Killing Season is a eight-part documentary that Rachel and I uh, did for a back in 2016 and 17. And we looked at the Gilgo Beach serial killer case, as well as a number of other cases around the country that were linked by definition of the victims, uh, sex workers. And so these are unsolved serial murder cases involving sex workers. And the idea was that, are they connected or are we looking at just a kind of epidemic against uh, violence against sex workers?
0: Well, Let's talk about this. So like, where were you guys and what were your initial thoughts? Like when you started, yeah, I'm sure your phones are blowing up and people are reaching out and you're like, what is going on? So let's just talk about initial reactions as we have been and you guys have been waiting even longer of just for some of this news to come out so can you guys talk about that
3: uh sure yeah um comically i was at the gym when i started seeing the news um not even the news break but knowing that there was going to be a press conference soon and um then once you know the name rex came out you know full force everyone I didn't have to do my own research because everyone was one step ahead of me when it came to seeing what was coming down um the pike as far as who he is and boy gosh did he kind of fit the bill
2: um i was uh right next to rachel at the gym uh when it was seven o'clock in the morning and i started to get a whole bunch of uh uh, texts like wake up king (laughs) uh you, you know this is happening and so i spent the better part of uh, four hours sitting in the corner of the gym, uh, tweeting and texting and trying to figure out what was going on. And then uh, we got home. And then we immediately drove all the way down to uh, Suffolk County to go to the press conference for the arrest press press conference.
1: Wow, how was that? I mean, it must have been so, so surreal. Yeah, I mean, it was
3: surreal. And, And look, when we did the killing season, it came out, I think, in November of 2016. And of course, we've you know, try to keep up on um, whatever is going on surrounding the case, which has not necessarily been tons. So, you know, I'm I'm trying to get the cobwebs out of my brain when it comes to the case. And it, it's interesting um, having talked to so many people, including yourselves over the past few weeks, that it's kind of like riding a bike. Um, the, the facts that kind of and the things that you can't unlearn kind of just stick there and start slowly coming up to the surface again.
2: We were driving. Rach was driving, and I was just, you know, the first thing is, is like, did they really catch him? Is this really the guy? Yeah, well, and that's so what I do. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us were like, okay, you know, we've been down this road before. Suffolk County Police Department, did they really get him? And I think by the time we got to the press conference, we were like, okay, this, this he looks real good.
3: Well, by the time we got to the press conference, we had had read through the bail application. Oh, right, right, right. And so (laughs) that was just like one domino after another, after another, and it was just ticking all the boxes. So that bail application, reading that, what was it, 28 pages or something, um, was really, you know, kind of sealing the deal.
2: And then I think the craziest thing is that when we got to the press conference, he had moved it a couple of times. And so, uh, you know, we had gone to earlier press conferences at Suffolk County Police Department, which were so markedly different from this one. There was not that big of of a press scrum. Um, There were only like five or six uh, um, different news departments there. And I I, I remember on the way I called Bob Colker, (laughs) like everybody like got back together calling each other and being like, is this really, is this real? Is this real? He looks good. He looks good. And when we got there it was pretty amazing the it was totally different with the amount of law enforcement there and of course that's going to happen when you're actually solving the case but the fact that the families were all up on the podium it felt very inclusive to the families that was my first thing that i noticed and i and i thought that that was a market difference and then as Rach said reading the bail application you're like okay these guys did their homework a lot
1: that and also the stark difference between that's this task force and uh yeah. old school scpd
2: totally um i i went uh, at the end of it you know that everybody was walking out and i approached rodney harrison because i had gotten word a couple times that he wanted to, to speak to me um, speak to rich and i because of our coverage i think he felt our coverage was fair and and that we had you know things to offer and uh, it didn't end up happening but you know, he had said some complimentary things. And I went up to him and I said, Hey, it's Josh, you you know, the killing season goes, Hey, oh, hey, how are you? And I said, you know, I just want to say congratulations, great work. And he said, actually, teamwork. And that was his, that was the one thing he said, he said, it was all about teamwork. And I think the point of all this is, this is how it's supposed to be done. This is, this is what we've been waiting for the whole time. This is we did the documentary because nobody was talking and because this case wasn't solved. And so it's just amazing to see when the system works, when law enforcement works and they work with the FBI, what can be done.
1: I totally agree. And that's I mean, that was the thing I just kept thinking of when I was watching that press conference. I was like, it was always solvable. And they finally did it.
2: You know, I, here's the thing. Did you think the case was going to be solved? Whether it was solvable or not, but did you think it was going to be solved? No. (laughs) I don't think I,
0: I think deep down, because every once in a while as we were working on it, I'd be like, there's someone out there who's done this. (laughs) Because it starts to seem like a movie after a while and not real, you know, as as you deal with it. And you, you you know, every once in a while I'd stop and be like, this is real. There's someone behind it. And I don't know if we'll ever catch them because, you know, stranger on stranger crimes hard and all that. But then to find out, I mean, by all accounts, it should have been solved in 2012. Pretty much is crazy.
3: We were just talking about how law enforcement was doing their homework. They weren't really doing their homework. They were redoing their homework. They were re-looking at the case. The task force that was put together in, what, 2020, you know, taking it with a great salt. But I had hope that, you know, bringing bringing all these agencies together would, you know, it, get some answers and it really seemed to have worked. I mean, I think they, they started looking at Rex with like in March of twenty, like super fast, super yeah. fast
1: when the task force was put together. Yeah, it was like eight weeks after they, they yeah. put it together, they had a primary suspect. Yeah.
0: Well, well, and we also, we talked to Gus Garcia Roberts who wrote the article in the Washington Post and who wrote Jimmy, yeah. the, Jimmy the King yep yeah. and it was wild to, in that article to hear there was even infighting with portello that was lasting all the way up until like 2020 2021 i could have my dates wrong um someone will correct me i'm sure just that you know it's one thing to get rid of burke and spoda but then portello hung around and it seems to have allegedly dragged his feet as well and um but yeah, once they once they really got together on the same page and looked at it, boom! Eight weeks later, they built started building the case.
1: Well, I think like what Josh was saying, it it was teamwork, you yeah. know. Once because SCPD was notoriously insular, right? So it's like once you open it up to like the feds, state, you know, you start working with other people. It's amazing how quickly you can find some answers.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, the, the other idea being, the answers were there all the time. Right. Yep. Um. But look, it's so easy to Monday morning quarterback a, a serial killer case. And how many cases do we do we see, whether it's in real life or on television, where the guy is staring at the pictures over and over again, and slowly we push in as he sees the the one clue that he missed, which was, ironically, there all along. You know, it does read like a movie in yeah. some re- in some uh, respects. I think the point is. Yeah, teamwork as well. Like you need fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh and and you need a lack of egos and you need people who work together and you need not cops who are territorial again like the movies. Like it just goes to show the right and the wrong way to do uh, a serial killer investigation. I am surprised that he was on but you always want somebody who who has the institutional knowledge. Um but if the information was there and if it was presented properly back in 2012, would have would Burke and Spoda even advance that information to the point of solving the case?
1: No. That's and, a but, great point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a great point. I think that's what, you know, Chris was saying about Gus Garcia was that the institutional sort of like corruption was still there. I mean, it was yeah. still kind of hanging around and... They, I think at the end of the day, they didn't want people meddling.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and what, you know, it is wild that even if, even with all the clues, I don't think they would have let it get solved. And what's wild too is like, I know they were struggling with, um, you know, dealing with the feds and, you know, opening up whatever they were doing on the side and in that exposure. But like, man, solving a case does wonders for your career. I'm, I imagine.
2: Yeah. I, I think it was just probably such a hot potato, considering the sex work that you know they just you know they would have been fine if it had been blamed on Bissett. you know that that would have been the best case scenario for them. Um, it, it, it's totally sad, you know. And then you do have to ask yourself, you know, could they have really identified the uh, the Jane Does? We have come a long way in terms of genealogy and dna in in just five or six years so i i also don't quite know that they would have been able to do that obviously uh the golden state killer case really broke that open but you know again everybody has to be involved the feds have to be there everybody has to be working hard you know it was a state trooper who figured out the avalanche part you know and that probably had to do with the fact that he knows vehicles so it is teamwork uh and and i am extremely impressed with the way that they've handled themselves what has been posed to me uh, is like like did it it's it's almost like they needed to weed out they needed did they need five or six changes of the guard for that to happen
3: yeah i think Sini had to be like the the,
2: sacrificial lamb
3: The sacrificial lamb or like the amuse bouche or like the you know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. the champagne that you get between courses (laughs) Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah he, he was kinda like, Let's let's start turning the ship and they're like, Well, you started it, but let's get rid of you and then
2: we'll put someone else in. By the way, one one thing that is definitely notable, and I don't know if you guys saw it, is that they didn't they didn't include Steve Ballone in some of these early conversations.
0: Yeah. And Ballone, I guess, went and set up on his own and tried to steal the thunder a little bit, um, according to some, you know. But yeah, even at the end, there's some infighting and, uh, and you know, who gets the glory and all that, which is sad. You know, that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store, but did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere online in store on social media and beyond shopify is your pos command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory shopify has everything you need to sell in person with shopify you get a powerhouse selling partner that unites your in-person and online sales into one seamless process easily track every sale across your business and know exactly what's in stock shopify helps you drive traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to instagram and beyond you can take payments by smartphone transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify POS Go mobile device. Easy peasy. And if there's ever a question, Shopify's award-winning support is there to answer your questions. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash LISK. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash LISK to take your retail business to the next level today. One last time, go to shopify.com slash LISK. The crazy thing is, if after 2010, 2011, did he keep killing? And if they should have caught him, you know, who's responsible for that? Um, again, you know, we're 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 armchair quarterbacking, but where do you guys land with his activity once um, Gilgo Beach was exposed?
2: You mean after the bodies
0: were found? Yeah. Do you think Rex kept at it? I mean, wh- what are you hearing? What do you think? New
2: dumping ground? Where do you guys land with all that? It's so tough. I mean, he obviously kept up with frequenting sex workers, his trolling and and everything. I I don't know. I mean, you know, and all that stuff about, like, these guys never stop. Well, they do stop, actually. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, but they usually stop after some kind of significant change in their life, a or, child or a marriage or some kind of life shift. And, and maybe he had that. Maybe we don't know.
2: Or testosterone levels reducing. In yeah. Sudden,
0: uh, or, you know, it scared him enough when they discovered the bodies. I mean, I hope he quit for the sake of more victims, but it didn't seem like he aged out. And given where he was 10 years later and reaching out to sex workers and, you know, some accounts that, you know, they had to move in because they thought he was ramping up again. I don't know if you guys have heard that, but that's one of those theories i'm not I'm not
2: sure I believe that theory,
1: yeah, I, I don't know that I believe it either. Um, I think they just had enough evidence. Yeah. It was like, why wait? You know why are we why are we sitting on this?
2: I think they were also worried that, uh, as we said before, other people were going to come in and, and leak the news. I think that was more about it. They were afraid of leaks now that they had him and 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 they knew one hundred percent sure it was him, things like that.
0: So you guys feel pretty confident, like reading that bail document, there's a lot of evidence there. And then, you know, like we've talked to some people where like, they're still going to have to a lot to prove a lot. So it's not an open and shut case, but where do you guys land on all that with, with what they have?
3: I mean, I'm, I'm no law enforcement, um, but from what I've read, especially with the pings, just like, you know, I I don't remember why we thought this, but that Megan did not have her phone. We That's what we had thought. Before that, maybe you, left your phone behind. Yeah, and now knowing in that bail application that her phone traveled um, to Massapequa that night um, and got pinged, you know, just those small little details. Just seeing, you know, Melissa Bartholomew's phone go from the Bronx to Massapequa, then her phone go back from Massapequa to you know Midtown where he made the calls. You know, just like there's just too much to be coincidence. But I understand they need some really hard evidence. I just can't. I don't want to do anything, but, you know, I I would hope that they have
1: enough. Yeah, I actually saw someone who claimed to be like a prosecuting attorney on Twitter saying that they had looked at the bail document and he was like, this is actually a pretty flimsy case. Like, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. And maybe they're just maybe he was just a naysayer. I don't even remember who this person was. But I, I mean, I thought it was impressive. And I thought that the Pings, like the way they outlined all of that was just chilling I mean, especially what you were saying, you know, with Megan Waterman, we thought that she had left her phone back in the room. And where did that information even come from? I remember asking Chris that a few weeks ago. I was like, why did we think that?
0: Basically, SCPD had everything and no one knew. And now we know, of course, that she did have her phone and that it, you know, like it pinged. In Massapequa Park at 3 a.m. And then two months later, Amber, they have the whole scam they pull the day before that, you know, blows up in their face and he runs off, gets mad, calls her back and says, You owe me all of that stuff. And they're still like 10 years later.
1: But again, you know, like Josh was saying, it's easy to to be like a Monday morning quarterback. Um, but yes, what we know now, um, against all of the information that we've gathered over the years, it does feel maddening and appalling, um, at times.
2: First of all, are we dealing with a trial jury? Because if we are dealing with a trial jury, you know, it's not necessarily what the evidence shows, but what the jury will believe.
0: And what are you saying about a jury? You're saying like, it seems like there's enough for a jury to go
2: Yeah, whether or not they really have the evidence, you know this this case is, you know, he's been he's the boogeyman of Long Island, you know, uh, on par with Joel Rifkin, on par with Hannibal Lecter, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and it seems anecdotally pulling dolls out of his house and horrific Google searches, like you know, a jury's not going to bat an eye. Yeah, he's the guy. But here's the other part of the question: Ray Tierney is trying the case himself. Ray Tierney has a long and illustrious history as a prosecutor, both federally and state. So that should tell you something, A, that he doesn't want to lose. And yeah, that it may actually, they may try and force a plea or a confession.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's also good to remember, like there's probably a lot of evidence we don't know about yet. I'm sure there is, you know, stuff they pulled from the house, stuff they don't have to release that. uh, And I hope they do just, you know, if this is the guy, we want him caught so i think they're going to have a good trial and i think they have the evidence but it's
2: wild that it's happening i'm glad it's happening i think that there's something else we've learned he's not the smartest guy in the book no you know we are not dealing with hannibal Lecter, super duper serial killer Uh, you know we are dealing with somebody who is fairly antiquated you know as as much as we were all saying oh my god he knows about police he knows all that stuff when you actually go in and look at the details he did numerous things that could have gotten him caught immediately. Number one, being um, part of the ruse with Amberlin Costello, i.e. three people saw him, they saw his vehicle, and then he goes back theoretically the next day and snatches her. Like, if you're trying to evade detection by law enforcement, if you're doing everything you can to evade detection, that is not the smartest play.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of those, like, you know, stuff we t- kind of talked about, like carrying their phones with him, So it tracks with his phone and it says, well, yeah, it's circumstantial, but why do you have their phone and why are you, why are they peeing together? And what are you guys thinking about his place in Vegas, his brother's place in South Carolina? Are you hearing anything, any thoughts on that and what might turn up?
2: No, you know, I'm sure we're going to speculate. And, (laughs) you know, when I did hear Vegas, my ears definitely pricked up obviously, when it comes to sex work. And there's numerous untold sex workers who are you know, tragically assaulted and or killed. And so that's definitely terrifying. Um, I haven't heard anything with regards to the Carolinas. You know, I have heard with regards to his brother's behavior. And that was especially troublesome.
3: I mean, I, do- I would love to know more about his relationship with his brother. I haven't seen too much about it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that Rex actually did own that property. Yeah. And his brother did have the avalanche. I think they took it in recently, right?
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's correct. You know, one thing I think we've learned from going around to these different unsolved serial murder cases around the country is that these guys do it, of course, because they're compelled to do it for whatever reason. But I think that there's also the idea that they can get away with it. I think whether it was Cleveland, whether it was Daytona, whether it was Atlantic City, these guys do it because they feel they can do it they feel they they can get away with it the police department has a role in all this in terms of of course not allowing but facilitating these murders by definition of how well they community police by definition of how they work with the sex worker community by the way in which they're proactive
1: you know obviously last week we got the name of fire island jane doe karen vergata you all had been Particularly outspoken about how the doughs were key to solving this case or potentially solving this case. What are your thoughts on more doughs being named and then obviously the doughs that have yet to be named, like peaches, baby dough, Asian dough?
0: And before that, tell us a little bit about the does, just so they don't get lost, and so the does don't get lost. I know we don't have a ton of information, but would you just give a little primer for listeners on who the does were?
3: Yeah, I'll I'll try my best. So, you know, they found the gb 4 in December of 2010, and continued to search for Shannon after that, and during that search, I believe it was March of 2011, they continued to find bodies. Um, Some of those bodies, we have Asian male, which was um, a gentleman found along Ocean Parkway had blunt force trauma to his head. The body had been there between five and 10 years. It was a a, a male with, I think, a slight gait. Mm -hmm. uh, And he was dressed, he was wearing women's clothes. Uh, So that's, and you know, the speculation there is because of the way um, that he likely died, which was forced um, blunt trauma, um, that perhaps whoever did kill him, um, perhaps picked him up or found him on online, had a date, thought he was a woman, discovered he was not, became enraged, and, and killed him in a very violent way.
2: Well, also, he was the only victim found, not nude, found wearing clothing. So I think that's also pretty significant.
3: Right, and the, and law enforcement has never. Really, I've been always. I've really wanted to know what the what that. I want to see pictures of that clothing. Yeah. I'd love for. I mean, and maybe we won't even need that much because, as far as I understand, there's a possibility of identifying two more unidentified um, after after last last week's um, recent after the recent announcements from law enforcement um, identifying last week.
2: So next, I think is worth discussing is Peaches uh, and and Baby Doe. Uh, Peaches was originally found in Hempstead. Uh, A torso was found in a cooler in Hempstead Park on a trail. Rubbermaid. Yeah, uh, Rubbermaid cooler. Um, And it was wrapped in in fabric. Uh, We call this victim Peaches because uh, she had a peach tattoo left breast um and then it was discovered that peaches other body parts were found on Gilgo beach um also it was also discovered after our series came out actually that peaches was the mother of baby doe which is a a a young child between one and four ages found um on ocean parkway weirdly enough baby doe was found next to valerie mack and not Peaches' body parts. So obviously there was some obfuscation that was going on there. And of course, the other thing to note is that Peaches was Black. So our only other victim who's Black. So that is another and very important two-dos. I would say she could be Hispanic as well. Could be, could be. What, what makes this so interesting and so important is the idea that the killer, whether Rex, we don't know, The idea is, what is the baby doing there? And the idea, talking numerous law enforcement, is that sometimes, unfortunately, a mother's in a desperate situation, and when she's going out to uh, meet a client, sometimes the baby will be in the back of the car. And that's the idea here, that somehow she went, she met the defendant and um, the killer, and the baby was unfortunately in the back of the car he ends up killing the woman and then realizes there's a child there and then has to kill the child. Theoretically.
1: Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's so sick. And it's always been, uh, it's just, you know, their case in particular is just so shocking and sad.
0: That's it for today's episode. We'll release part two tomorrow, so please be sure to check it out. And if you're enjoying the List podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you and stay safe. This has been a Mopac audio production. I am your host, Chris Moss. Our senior producer is Shannon McGarvey. Our executive producers are Jonathan Beale and Jonathan Nowazarden, and music by Blake Maples. The views, speculation, conjecture, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers, guests, and the hosts. They do not reflect or represent the policy or views held by Mopac Audio LLC or any broadcaster of this podcast. Any and all suspects discussed on this podcast are considered innocent until guilt is established in a court of law and any allegations, speculation, opinion, or conjecture about any suspect is subject to such presumption of innocence.